Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let Mom's Green Thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give Mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. Doug, no offense, but man, the zoom angle on my face for the last two years has driven me crazy. The last thing I did before I went to bed, I Google searched how not to cry during a speech. And one of the items was drink water and yawn. Well, I didn't want to yawn, but it worked a little bit, you know, and I've heard that, that saying, it takes a village. And honestly, it takes a building to be successful not in one year, but it takes a building to be successful year after year. And and for me to have a chance to be a, a part of that building and in a position to, to coach so many of these great players and be around so many of these great people, I don't know what's next. And it kind of feels good. Tuesday edition of PFTPM. One thing I've learned about Sean Payton, he's ready to do a multi-hour TV streaming radio show because he's still going an hour yeah. into his press conference, and he seems to enjoy it. And as he said, he'd like to do TV. He thinks he'd be good at it. I know he'd be good at it. Some coaches would be. Some coaches wouldn't be. Sean Payton would be, and he may be doing that as soon as 2022. Announcing today that he is resigning as the head coach of the Saints 16 years after he arrived, and he said he has no plans to coach in 2022. And as we know, Shireen, plans can change all the time but it sure sounds like he fully intends plans wishes to take the year off and we'll see if that's what comes to fruition but he made it clear he's not done he's just moving on to a different phase and he didn't close the door on potentially coming back to coaching at some point down the road and if i had to bet i'd say he would yeah and i would bet that he's probably going to end up with the dallas cowboys at some point point mike whether that's next year or the year after but we'll see maybe he gets into this tv gig and really enjoys it or does podcasts and really enjoys that whatever he does as you said he's going to be really good at it he has a ton of options for whatever he wants to do hey the world he he's he's got it he can do whatever he wants to do he's that good at, at everything in tells football so He'll have choices. He'll have decisions to make about his future this year and beyond this year. We'll see what happens. But, Mike, I just think he was worn out. I just think this season truly wore him out after Drew Brees, and it was time. It was time to take some time off is what I got out of that press conference. And you know what? It's the 10-year anniversary of the year he took off involuntarily Mm -hmm. as a result of the Bounty Gate scandal. Now, I watched much of the press conference. He hasn't been asked about it. I don't think he talked about it that year that he was forced out of the game. It was, I think, a travesty. I know they were doing something that they technically shouldn't have been doing, but 
everybody was doing it at the time. It was a cultural phenomenon, and the NFL chose to find one team, make an extreme example out of them in an effort to advance whatever agenda the NFL was trying to advance. It really cares about player safety, even though those kinds of things were happening all the time. That was part of the culture and the fabric of the NFL. But he may get to that at some point. He may still be talking by the time that we are finished. But uh, (laughs) 10 years after he was out for a year, he's going to be out for, I think, a year at most two. And he'll be back. He's 58 years old. He's got plenty more left. And I think that, that he'll be back. He'll miss it so much that he'll be back. And he'll pick the right spot for himself. He picked the right time to get out of New Orleans because it's not like they have a full cupboard of talented players that are easily fit under the salary cap with the prospects of pursuing a championship as soon as 2022. Well, and, and Mike, when you look at it, the, you remember the movie Sliding Doors? One thing happens and, and it changes everything. I did this series one time on, on what if and changed a lot of the what ifs. What if the catch hadn't happened and things like that. You do think about a couple of things with Sean Payton. What if they had ended up drafting Patrick Mahomes? They were one pick away from that when the Chiefs leapfrogged them. They ended up taking Marshawn Lattimore with the 11th overall pick that year. But what if they had ended up with Patrick Mahomes? I don't think Sean Payton would be retiring this year. What if the 49ers don't come back and beat the Rams this year and the Saints get to the postseason? Perhaps they upset the Packers. Perhaps they do. Perhaps they upset the Cowboys. Who knows what happens at that point? Maybe he's still coaching the Saints if that happens. But so many what ifs. But you know what? I think this team this year the coaching job he did might have been his best coaching job when you consider the hurricane that they had early the COVID issues they had starting four quarterbacks the year after Drew Brees retires they finished with a winning record and almost got into the postseason a terrific coaching job by Sean Payton he doesn't go out exactly on top but I do think it was his best coaching job of his career and really but for the comeback by the 49ers against the Rams, and he mentioned today he's actually rooting against the Rams this weekend because of that, because it was the Rams' <laughs> collapse that allowed the 49ers into the playoffs. And frankly, the Rams may get their punishment this weekend for not beating the 49ers when they could. The Rams probably would have preferred the Saints to make the playoffs and be coming to L.A. instead of the 49ers. But yeah, they, they could still be playing right now. And maybe he would have been rejuvenated by a playoff berth this year and you go out and you reload and you try it again in 2022 but look he he has been one of the best coaches in the nfl he exits as one of the highest paid coaches in the nfl so it's a significant amount of income that he's going to have to replace but we will not need to have any bake sales for sean payton he's done just fine during his time in the nfl let's hear a little bit from him from earlier today on what's next for the longtime now former coach of the new orleans saints Honestly, as I sit here today, and, and this is okay, um, I don't know what's next. And look, I, 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 I read the reports and I understand I've not spoken to anyone from a media outlet relative to doing television or radio. Maybe, maybe that opportunity arises, but every time I read something that says like, he's in line for this job, I, I'll call my agent, Don, and I'll say, Don, did you hear something? Because I have not heard anything. And that's okay. Um, I think I'd like to do that. I think I'd be pretty good at it. But so stepping, 
stepping outside like in the cold weather today and being a little uncomfortable professionally or, or from a career standpoint is okay. Um, I don't like the word retirement. Mr. B didn't like it either. He always said, you know, retirement's overrated. We get sold this whole image of retirement by these investment groups on TV and golf courses and retirement. And, and so, um, yeah, I, I'm, I still have a vision for, for doing things in football. And, and, and I'll be honest with you, that might be coaching again at some point. I don't think it's this year. I think maybe in the future, but that's not where my heart is right now. It's not at all. Let's go into TV, Shireen. Here's the reality. If he's thinking about coaching again, he won't be as good as he would be if he were truly done coaching. Unless he throws caution to the wind and says, I don't care if this creates issues for me with future players, with future general managers, with future owners. I'm going to say what I believe. And if somebody has a problem with that, well, then... That's their problem, not mine. I'm doing my job right now to the best of my ability, and I'm being honest and authentic with the audience. Biggest problem with John Gruden, even though he was widely praised for his work as the Monday Night Football analyst, I always thought he was not nearly as good as he should have been or could have been, and he wasn't doing a service to the audience because he was always very flowery about everything because he didn't want to complicate his life when he did come back. If he had a guy on the team that he had criticized at some point, he's got to deal with that. Or he's got an owner that he said something about, said something about the team, said something about the fan base, something, anything. If you always skew toward positive and never truly say what you think, you never have to worry about those issues. So Gruden wasn't as good as he could have been, wasn't what I thought he was going to be. Peyton has the chance to be great if he decides to worry about whatever complications his current words may cause later at that later date and not allow it to restrain him in any way from speaking his mind. We'll see whether or not he does that in whatever capacity he takes if he does end up in the media, Shireen. You know the one owner, Mike, who doesn't have a problem with words? That would be Jerry Jones. I don't think that would stop Jerry Jones from hiring him, no matter what Sean Payton says. As we know, Jerry likes to speak his mind as well. So I do think his next stop is Dallas. I don't think it's this year. I think it's after this year, whether that's next year or the year after. But I think this puts a whole lot of heat on Mike McCarthy right now going into the 2022 season, if he indeed remains as the head coach of the Cowboys. But I would expect Jerry Jones to call Sean Payton pretty quickly if they haven't talked already to talk about what might be in the future for Sean Payton in Dallas. And see, Shereen, I look at it this way. If that's what you're going to do a year from now, just do it now. And, and he may need yeah. a year off to recharge and and refocus and – you know, he said he wants to get in shape, and I remember he did that. He threw himself into that. He was in great shape. He was doing the, what's that word, CrossFit mm -hmm. stuff back in 2012. But why prolong it for a year if you know that's where it's going, if you have a conversation at some point with Jerry Jones, unless everybody just decides to put a pin in it for a year. But still, it's going to hover over Mike McCarthy, like you said. It's going to be yeah. unavoidable for him in 2022, regardless of whether it's ever brought up at a press conference, regardless of whether it's ever reported. He's smart enough to know that this is something that will be an issue because there has been that connection. There has been that speculation. And as we wrote earlier today, and as you'll read in Playmakers, and as Shireen has already read, the Cowboys thing almost happened 
three years ago. Three years ago, this week, it almost happened. Where the Cowboys were ready to do the deal with the New Orleans Saints for Sean Payton. Sean Payton was going to go coach the Cowboys. It was done. It was happening. Then Anthony Davis, formerly of the New Orleans Pelicans, informed the team he was not going to resign. He wanted a trade. And Mickey Loomis, who was the executive VP of football operations with the Pelicans at the time, he was also the GM and still is the GM of the Saints. He told Sean, I I can't be the common thread between these two huge names leaving New Orleans. We just can't do it. Later that year, Peyton signed an extension that runs through 2024. He's got three years left on it. But that is how close it came to happening. But for Anthony Davis deciding the day that he did to leave, or at least make it known he wanted to leave the Pelicans, and he was later traded to the Lakers in July of 2019, Sean Peyton would be, what, heading into year four, as head coach of the Cowboys, and possibly would be playing right now, possibly playing this weekend against the Rams, the 49ers, or someone else. There's a lot of excitement right now in Dallas, Mike, but I was surprised that some of it was tempered by people saying, pointing out, actually, that Sean Payton's record is almost exactly the same as Mike McCarthy's, and it is. Seven division titles for both, one Super Bowl title for both, and there are questions about why shouldn't Sean Payton take heat for winning one Super Bowl with Drew Brees if Mike McCarthy is taking heat for winning one Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers. Here's the difference, I think, Mike, in my mind between these two coaches. Let's go back to last year, Mike McCarthy's first year. They had a really good team, almost the same team they have this year, minus Micah Parsons and some differences They blame it on COVID. They didn't get to install what they needed to install in the offseason. I get all that. Dak Prescott gets hurt in week five. They weren't good before that. They start four quarterbacks. They're terrible. Fast forward to this year. Saints had the hurricane. They had to depart for Dallas. They had to play their first game on the road, which they won, by the way, against the Packers. Didn't play their first home game in New Orleans until October. Played four quarterbacks the year after Drew Brees. Jameis Winston gets hurt for the year. They have a winning record. And again, aside from the 49ers pulling that out against the Rams, they're in the playoffs. That, to me, is the difference between these two coaches. Sean Payton can make lemonade out of lemons. Mike McCarthy hasn't shown that he can make lemonade out of lemons. Well, I look at it this way. Sean Payton talked during his press conference about interviewing with Ted Thompson, the late GM of the Green Bay Packers in 2006. That was the year that the Packers hired Mike McCarthy. And Peyton went to New Orleans for his interview with the Saints, found out that night the Packers were going in a different direction. What if the Packers, who had Aaron Rodgers on the roster at the time, and Brett Favre, had hired Sean Peyton? Would they have won only one Super Bowl in the past 16 years with Aaron Rodgers and Sean Payton working together? I don't think so because, look, Drew Brees works with us, and uh, I I think Drew Brees would acknowledge that Aaron Rodgers is a more physically gifted quarterback than Drew Brees ever was. Drew Brees got the absolute most out of his God-given abilities, and I respect anyone who does that. Drew Brees exceeded his God-given abilities with what he accomplished in the National Football League. Aaron Rodgers is more gifted. Aaron Rodgers is a better overall quarterback from the standpoint of arm strength, uh, everything, everything. Now, now, look, Drew, nobody runs a precision offense like Drew Brees, so that may be a spot where he would have an advantage. But I think Aaron Rodgers and Sean Payton over the last 16 years would have won more together than McCarthy and Rodgers or Brees and Payton. I, I just think that's the basic reality. So now, and, and look, I, I just, I think, and this is nothing against Mike McCarthy, 
I've said a few times in the past week or so, Shireen, there's a small handful of great coaches in the NFL, and there's everybody else. And the great coaches are driven to work and work and work and work and work, and their level of attention to detail is incredible. And Peyton mentioned that. That kind of came out today. He talked about staying up till 2 a.m. every night, the attention to detail that is critical to do the job right. I know from covering the league for 20 years. There's a difference between the way Peyton does it. There's a difference between the way others do it. And I, I think Cowboys fans, and this isn't, hey, go fire Mike McCarthy and hire Sean Payton Day. But, but if any Cowboys fan is worried about Sean Payton not being better than McCarthy as a coach, not taking the team to greater heights, th- that, that shouldn't be a concern. The question is, how quickly could Sean Payton take this team to a Super Bowl and win one? Yeah, that's exactly the question, Mike. And this is a team that has uh, cap problems, too. They're not quite as bad as the Saints, but they do have some cap problems. But they look like a team that's built to win, and they'll be built to win in 2023. They have the quarterback uh, tied up, and they'll have some of the young players tied up for the future. They'll have, still have Micah Parsons and some of those guys that are really important to that defense. So they do look like a team that you, he could go into and win a championship with if he likes Dak Prescott uh, as, as his franchise quarterback. And if he does and he thinks he can win with Dak Prescott, they could put the rest of the pieces together for him to make that happen. But I think he's a very good coach. I think he's the best offensive mind in football. He and Kyle Shanahan with the plays that they call. I just think they're really, really good at it. And, and if I'm the Cowboys or any other team, if I'm one of these teams looking for a coach, I'm going to make a call just to make sure that Sean Payton doesn't want to coach this year. Now, again, a deal would have to be done with the Saints to arrange yep. for compensation even before the call could be made. I don't think you could even make a phone call to Sean Payton right. without having an understanding as to what the compensation for the Saints would be. I think it would be a blatant tampering violation. And even if he's out for a year or two or three or five or ten, the Cowboys be, uh, would have to or anyone else would have to compensate the New Orleans Saints for hiring Sean Payton. But obviously the more time that he's out, the less that the Saints would probably get. Time was the key. Today is the time. Sean Payton was asked during the press conference, why now for his decision to step aside? I just felt like this season wasn't, it was challenging for everyone. But, man, I felt like it was time. I felt like it was time. You know, I kind of knew maybe heading into training camp this might. But you don't, you, you, you know, you don't share that with anyone. You think, well, let's see how the season goes, and we're working hard. And, and I felt the time was right for me. I felt the time was right. And it's something that I, I've been thinking about. You know, I, I think that. Look, you have close friends in the industry. I've lost a few close friends in this industry in the last two or three years. Um, and also, you know, they're, they're, forget football. There's other things. Spending more time. There's a lot of sacrifices you make. And so not many get to choose their terms. And I looked at it as an opportunity also to to see my kids more, to travel some more, to, to get in better shape, to, there's an attrition 
two in the morning, and, and I know I hear people say, well, you don't have, yeah, I get it, but I need to. That, that's the way it works for me. And I think the attention to details are so important that it can be exhausting. And so I felt as this season was winding down, um, that it was the right thing, and then the last week and a half, yeah, I'm comfortable with that. He did a good job of holding it together and not crying. He came very close. He stopped. He gathered himself. He must have seen that when he researched how not to cry last (laughs) night before doing the press conference today. But, look, it's got to be difficult. 16 years, that's almost a generation. That is a long period of time. And to step away from that into the great unknown, into not really knowing what's next, I'm sure he's got a plan. Sean Payton's not the kind of guy who doesn't have a plan. But... Whether or not he's got something definitely lined up is a different issue, and he will be in demand, and there will be networks that want to hire him. And there was a report that Amazon would like to hire him to replace Troy Aikman if Aikman leaves for Amazon. And Fox would like to hire him if Troy Aikman goes to Amazon. But I I don't know that they'd want Sean Payton just for a year or two as the number one analyst on Fox. Mm -hmm. I think they'd want him to be all in for that without – an understanding going in that he could indeed leave to coach. And here's the other side of it, too. And I don't know if John Gruden had many issues with this when he was in the broadcast booth. But if there's a thought Sean Payton's coming back as soon as next year, if he's doing game broadcasts, teams aren't going to be real thrilled about him being in yeah. the production meetings. And I suspect he probably wasn't real thrilled when guys were in production meetings who had connections to teams, you know. There was an issue years ago when Brian Billick was working for Fox and Mike Smith was the coach of the Falcons. Billick is Smith's brother-in-law, and I know there was concern with other NFC rivals in the division, like the Saints, about Billick being in the building and meeting with coaches and picking brains and knowing things about the Saints when his brother-in-law was the coach of the Falcons. And it's one of the reasons why Billick doesn't talk to me anymore because I had the audacity to point out that people had that concern. How dare I? How dare I point out that people actually had that concern? How dare I not ignore that? Um, let's hear a little more from, from Sean Payton about what comes next for the Saints because everyone's going to think Dennis Allen, former Raiders coach, who's finally gotten a sniff this year, interviewed coincidentally today with the Bears. Here's Peyton slipping in an endorsement for Dennis Allen to be the next coach of the Saints. Look, in fairness to Dennis, who's a great candidate in the building, or any other coach that that possibly um, would be hired, I I think that uh, there's no half-in in in this game. You know, you're, you're jumping in the deep end, and you're swimming, and if you if you elect to to stay out, then that's fine. But I, I think that, um, yeah, I think that that's the approach that I think has to be taken. I got a chance to do the job on the job this year, the game at Tampa Bay, the Sunday night game, which the Saints won nine to nothing. Dennis Allen ran the defense and replace Sean Payton, who was on the COVID reserve list for that game. So I think Allen makes the most sense, and it would ensure the smoothest possible transition by doing it now. And I know he he needed time to to think it through. I'm not suggesting he deliberately sandbagged. Not at all. Not at all. It would be different if he would have made his decision in late February. He took a couple weeks to decide 
on what he wanted to do and figure out what's right for him, and he needed to do that. But the fact that we're two weeks into this process, I think it gives Dennis Allen a bit of a leg up going in uh, because the Saints haven't been spending the last two weeks, Shireen, interviewing candidates, figuring things out. I I don't know, maybe they had an inkling and they've been working in that direction, but I think Allen gets a real advantage given the timing of this. Yeah, and they will have to comply with the Rooney Rule, obviously. I would expect Lions defensive coordinator Aaron Glenn, who was at New Orleans for a long time as uh, the secondary coach and then followed Dan Campbell to Detroit to get an interview. Uh, I expect him to be one. Offensive coordinator Pete Carmichael probably would be another candidate. Maybe look at somebody like a Kellen Moore, a young guy like that. Uh, to potentially come and replace Sean Payton. But Dennis Allen does make the most sense. He has head coaching experience. He was the interim coach this year. Huge, I am a huge, huge, huge Dennis Allen fan. He's another Aggie great, but he went to high school here, and I've done a story talking to his family and his mom and everyone else, and I just think he's, he's a great guy and would be a great replacement uh, for Sean Payton and would fit right in. Now, Having said all that, if I have other options, this to me looks like one of the least desirable jobs just because of their cap situation and the lack of a quarterback there. But he does know that defense and thinks he can win with that defense. I get that. And you're perhaps playing in a division that doesn't have Tom Brady. So it's going to be an easier division to win if Tom Brady isn't there next year. So maybe you look at those things too. But just from the quarterback standpoint, Mike, not having that franchise guy and the fact that they are so much in the hole in the salary cap, $50 million right now over the salary cap. Uh, it's just a tough situation to try to bit rebuild. Mickey Loomis has done a great job of managing the cap over the years, yes. but a lot of it has resulted from kicking the can into future years, yeah. and at some point that bill becomes due. Now, I, th- th- there's value in always kicking money forward because it doesn't inflate. There's no interest that attaches to it. A dollar that is moved forward to next year is still a dollar. As the cap goes up, that dollar means a little bit less. So they'll do the same thing. They'll kick money into next year or the year after that. The cap is going to go up this year. It's going to go up even more next year. It's going to go up even more the year after that. They'll figure it all out. The real issue is quarterback and what were they going to do. And you know what, Shereen? I was in the process of trying to figure out the teams that Aaron Rodgers may want to play for, and the Saints were on the list. I don't think they make it back on the list now, but the Saints were one of the possibilities for Aaron Rodgers when Sean Payton was there. I remember last year the Saints were one of the teams that was on Russell Wilson's short list of franchises to which he'd accept a trade if the Seahawks were to trade him, but of course he didn't want to be traded. Wink, wink, nod, nod. So uh, we'll see what happens. But, yeah, this isn't an ideal year to be looking for a coach because now there are nine teams looking for coaches. But at least the Saints don't have to worry about the fact that all the good ones are taken. None of them have been taken yet. So if they work quickly, maybe they can get themselves in the loop for one of these gigs that is – and I don't get the impression they're all that far behind the Raiders. Do you? I feel like the Raiders haven't done anything. Well, the Texans haven't done much either, but who knows what they're going to do. Josh McCallan may be the choice there, as we, as we all know. I don't feel like they've done much either. I mentioned Drew Brees earlier uh, as it relates to the comparisons to Aaron Rodgers. Here's Sean Payton from earlier today talking about how he let Drew know about the decision and confirming that, indeed, there was a phone call made to Drew about returning and playing on the week that both Trevor Simeon and Taysom Hill were going to be unavailable to the Saints in advance of the Monday night game against the Dolphins. 
We took a chance on Drew at that time because, quite honestly, we weren't going to win any jump balls. And, and that's the truth. Like, in other words, we had to be a little overly aggressive to win that, the game, if you will. The status quo or just... And so, man, it was the best chance we took. And so I, I thank Drew and his wife, Brittany, and their family. I, I spoke to him at length last night about this decision for the first time. And, and he was fantastic. And I did call him during the season. And we discussed him coming back. And I think both of us agreed, based on our lineup versus Miami, it was a good thing he stayed and, uh, and didn't come. Yeah, that wouldn't have been the ideal game to come out of retirement for the way <laughs> uh-huh. that went, the way that the Miami Dolphins harassed uh, the New Orleans Saints offensive line. And, you know, frankly, Brian Flores is available and – the, the 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 Saints got to see what Flores can do with coaching a football team, although there's an asterisk on that game given that the COVID situation really decimated the roster. But uh, Sean Payton acknowledging that Drew Brees was called and that Drew Brees declined, it was probably smart for him to do it as tempting, Shireen, as it would have been. Yeah, it certainly was. You saw what Ian Book took in that game in his first start, and it didn't go well. And I don't know. It would have gone better for Drew Brees, but, God, the way they harassed him and the offensive line as decimated as it was, it wouldn't have gone real great for Drew Brees either, I don't think. So probably good he stayed in retirement. Now the Saints will be on the search for that quarterback yet again to replace Drew Brees. They thought they might have it in Jameis Winston last year, and then he had the ACL injury. And maybe they bring back Jameis. Who knows? But they'll have to find a quarterback. As you said, it's probably not a real great year to be looking for a coach. It's probably not a real great year to be looking for a quarterback either. They, they, they can't make Jameis plan A because he's not going to be ready when this quarterback right. carousel starts to spin. And remember this, the coaching carousel will have stopped or slowed down dramatically, and then we get to the quarterback carousel. And Sunday, the Rams 49ers NFC Championship game and the other one too between the Bengals and the Chiefs, but that day is the one-year anniversary of the unofficial trade of Matthew Stafford to the Rams. The quarterback carousel was spinning in high gear late January last year. Now everything ended a week earlier, but still – that quarterback musical chairs is coming, and the problem is Jameis Winston isn't going to be ready by the time the seats are filled. So that's just another one of the questions the Saints are going to have to ask because Taysom Hill, that was a a Sean Payton pet project. Is Taysom Hill still going to have a place with the Saints? Is he going to play quarterback with the Saints? One of the many questions that the franchise is going to have to ask as the next uh, days and weeks go by. Let's take a break. When we return... We, we, we are net zero for today. One more head coaching vacancy, one fewer GM vacancy, and the other GM vacancy reportedly poised to be filled not long after now. We'll talk about that when PFTPM continues right after this. Who doesn't love a classic chocolate chip cookie? Famous Amos has been making them since the 70s, 1975 to be exact, with semi-sweet chocolate chips, and a satisfying crunch. It's everything classic in one bite-sized cookie. And fans couldn't get enough. That's right. You'll find our original recipe, the one you know and love, in every bag of Famous Amos original chocolate chip cookies. Find Famous Amos anywhere you buy your favorite snacks. There is George McCaskey, the chairman of the Chicago Bears, picking up Ryan Poles at the airport. 
No private jet service for the Bears. Hey, you can spend your billions however you want. You can even buy jeans if you want to. George McCaskey getting Ryan Poles, the former Chiefs executive who will be the new general manager of the Chicago Bears. I'm glad that the Bears got the GM side of it taken over. This concurrent search between GM and coach, and it felt like they were both progressing and at some point, you got to get your GM unless you're going to change the structure altogether. So Ryan Poles takes over. They continue to search for a coach. And folks in Chicago, I guess guarded is the best way to put it because they've been burned so many times. It's been so long since the team's been relevant. They're going to take a wait-and-see approach to how this all plays out. But I've heard very good things about Ryan Poles, and he gets his opportunity to, to take a team, a team of his own, and turn it into a winner. Chicago's a great football town. It's kind of halfway between Pittsburgh and New York from a feel and a size standpoint. And that Pittsburgh blue-collar mentality is there. And they love their football team. And it's amazing the team hasn't been better when you consider the support that that, that city and that area give to the organization, Shereen. Yeah, he's only 36, Mike, and he just started in the business in 2009 as a player personnel assistant. But when you think about the guys that he worked underneath in Kansas City, Scott Pioli, John Dorsey, uh, Brett Veach, he has had some really good training in this business. So I think he's well positioned to help the Bears turn this thing around. He's got to like Justin Fields because he's going to be the quarterback at least for one more year for this team to prove that he is the franchise guy. But now he gets a chance to hire his coach, and they can move on from here. They did have the oldest roster in the NFL in 2021, so there is going to be some rebuilding that they're going to have to do. But they do have some key pieces in place, obviously. Given that... Ryan Poles worked for John Dorsey in Kansas City. I I hope we don't get any buddy boys in the press conference. I can do without yeah. buddy boy. I and then that was John yeah. Dorsey's uh, you know pull the string. Uh, that was, and there would only be one saying from John Dorsey. It'd be buddy boy. Um, so uh, we'll see what the the Bears do there. They're looking at Jim Caldwell, Dan Quinn, Matt Eberflus. They are reportedly the finalists, but they did indeed interview Dennis Allen today for the head coaching position. Now. Ryan Poles was a guy that the Vikings were hoping to interview for a second time. And just like in free agency, sometimes what you do is you keep the guy off the plane. That's what the Bears did. We don't want to let this guy get away. This is our guy. We don't want him to go to Minneapolis. And so the Vikings have to pivot to their plan B or their alternative plan A. I don't think they had made a decision that they definitely want Poles. Quezzi Adolfo Mensa of the Browns is now favored to be the Vikings GM because he was the other finalist. He was the other candidate getting the second interview. He's currently the Browns VP of football operations. And again, second interview today. Interview still not over. And for all we know, the puff of white smoke from the Vikings chimney may be coming at some point before the end of the evening, letting us know that the Vikings have their general manager too, Shereen. Man, he is such an interesting guy. He's 40 years old, Mike, but when you think about it, he played basketball at Princeton, wasn't a football player. He got an economics degree from Princeton. He worked on Wall Street for a long time, master's degree from Stanford in economics. It's really the same path as Viking COO Andrew Miller, who's leading the search, took. So it's no surprise that he's their choice. 40 years old, spent seven seasons as the 49ers director, director of football research and development. He's an analytics guy, so he's going to get his chance to be a GM at, again, a young age, and he'll get a chance to hire a head coach and see what they can do with this uh, roster. But this is a good team he steps into with a chance to win right away, Mike. And 
In Minnesota, the question that hovers over everything is the the quarterback. What are they going to do with Kirk Cousins? That's going to be one of the first decisions that the coach with the GM will have to make if it is indeed Quezia Adolfo Mensa. Um, and the Vikings, like the Bears, have been doing the concurrent search. So they've already interviewed plenty of candidates, and now it's up to the GM. And, and, and look, it's not just the GM's decision. It'll be a decision made in concert with others. But every general manager, when that person becomes a general manager, that person has a list of coaches that are the preferred match based upon an entire lifetime or or <laughs> – or less than a lifetime if you're only 40 or 36, as the case of these two guys are. But uh, <laughs> you, you have your list that you've worked based upon the people you've encountered, the people you've seen. You're scouting the coaches the same way you scout the players. And a good personnel executive is always scouting coaches along with scouting players and also scouting other personnel executives that you may want to have work in your organization at some point in the future. So uh, Quezia Dofo Mensa will have his list. The question is, where's the intersection between who he wants, and who the Vikings are comfortable hiring. And we'll see how that plays out. Obviously, the coach also would want to have to go there and be part of the organization. So once that gets rolling, then both the Bears and the Vikings can get about the process of of hiring coaches. It really is amazing, though, Shireen. I was talking to somebody earlier today. I mean, the reality is there is no must-have candidate. There is no one out there that is sparking a land rush. There's no, oh, I got to go get this guy before someone else does. Like, if somebody else gets him, that's fine. I got plenty of others I could hire. I'm not going to rush into this just to get somebody that I think may be ready to be hired by somebody else. So everyone's being patient. They've always said they want to be patient. This year they're being patient. Yeah, first year we've ever seen this, Mike. Just amazing that we haven't had one head coach hired yet. And this is now he will become the the second GM hired and a minority. So that's good news there. Only still one minority, uh, one black head coach in the NFL, and that's Mike Tomlin. Of course, Ron Rivera. Uh, and Robert Sala also are minority coaches. But this is a step in the right direction. The Browns are going to get a draft pick uh, out of this if the Vikings do indeed follow through and and hire him as expected. Yeah, uh, as the Chiefs will as well. Uh, That's one of the incentives that was created a couple of years ago. That's the only incentive that ultimately was created. At one point there was going to be an incentive to actually do the hire, and and there was some real pushback because it, it, it makes it hard to be the person who gets the job if you think that, that your team was in some way incentivized to do it. And as Tony Dungy said at the time, there shouldn't be an incentive to do the right thing. The incentive now is to develop and promote and encourage and work with candidates who are minorities to help them get the opportunities. And if you grow and develop minority candidates, you will be rewarded on the back end. We're going to take a break on the back end of that. We're going to hear from Aaron Rodgers. It's Tuesday, which means he visits with Pat McAfee and A.J. Hawk, which means he says plenty of things that we'll let you hear and react to. We'll do that next on this Tuesday edition of PSU. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. You knew this was was in the mix. There were a ton of people tuning in, rooting against us for one reason and one reason only. It's because of 
uh, you know, my vaccination status. I realize that I've been divisive this season by my vaccination status and by my uh, willingness to talk about it and to talk about the research I've done and my own opinions. And it's part of it. And, and uh, I, I take accountability for that. I don't want, I've never wanted to be a divisive, polarizing figure on this. I want to encourage people and inspire people to think for themselves. That's Aaron Rodgers from earlier today on Pat McAfee's show, talking with Pat and A.J. Hawk. And look, uh, it's not his vaccination status that has people up in arms. It is the vaccination misinformation. It is the lying about his vaccination status. He acts like that never happened. And I understand why he would want to do that. But he lied about his vaccination status. He knew what he was doing. He played a stupid ass word game. Well, I think I'll just say immunized and maybe nobody out here is smarter than me and willing to say, does that mean vaccinated? Does it, does, does, wait, wait a minute, Aaron, you're, you're not trying to pull a fast one here, are you? And make us think that immunized actually means vaccinated when you haven't been vaccinated. I mean, get the hell out of here with that. That's childish. That's what he was. And that's why a lot of people are turned off to him. It turned me off. I mean, I'm capable of saying I think he's a great quarterback and a complete ass. I think he's both, and it's possible to be both. And guess what? A lot of great quarterbacks are complete asses. And this is the year he decided to show his ass to everyone. You know, he went from being, Shereen, a guy who was desperate to not be hated by anyone and who was ultra-sensitive about any criticism to doing the pro-wrestling heel turn where he welcomes all the hatred. Now, he still has his followers, but he welcomes all the hatred and he thrives in this, this environment of polarization. He loves it. And he can say whatever he wants. Yeah, I didn't mean to do it. Bull crap. You're smart enough to know what was going to happen. I feel like he's a troll in certain respects where he says things and does things to get a certain reaction out of people. And I'm starting to think he's going to get a career in politics because, frankly, he's acting a lot and sounding a lot like a guy who, as of a year and a few days ago, was president of the United States. Well, and it, it was a complete 180, as you said, from, what, two years ago, maybe, and then he became outspoken on so many things, and it is the misinformation. But, Mike, let's be realistic. I don't think anyone hates Tom Brady. They may root against him because he plays for the Packers. Packers fans still are going to root for, for Aaron Rodgers, right? They're still going to root for Aaron Rodgers to lead the Packers to a championship. That's not going to change your fandom, I don't think. I haven't heard of any Packers fans saying, I'm not a Packers fan anymore because Aaron Rodgers is our quarterback and I'm against what he thinks of vaccines. I also haven't heard any Cowboys, Raiders, Steelers, Vikings, Bears fans say, I hate Tom Brady. I hate, God, I keep saying Tom Brady. I hate Aaron Rodgers just because he's against the vaccines. They hate Aaron Rodgers and root against Aaron Rodgers because he's a quarterback of the Packers. They don't want the Packers to win. That's the bottom line. That's why most people root against Aaron Rodgers is because he plays for the Packers. They have a different team that they root for. And in some ways, frankly, the Packers are kind of like the Cowboys. You either love them or you hate them. And you're going to root for them or you're going to root against them. And Aaron Rodgers is the quarterback of that team. 
I think he grossly overstates his significance to the game by suggesting that a huge percentage of people tuned in solely for the purposes of rooting against him because he's unvaccinated. And I get it. I get it. He's got a persecution complex. He has to make himself feel like he's the victim in some way. Cancel culture is coming after him. You know, the, the woke mob's favorite team is anyone who's playing the Packers. That's his mindset. And he's, and he's, he's reveling in it. That's what makes me think he's destined to get into politics because you have oh, to yeah. be wired to revel in the hatred and to spin it around and get a rise out of the fact that half the people love you and half the people hate you. you, you ha- and, and that's the problem. Our, our political discourse today is attracting people who want to live that way. I can't imagine living that way professionally all the time. He has decided in his later years, relatively speaking, he's only 38, but he's been around sport for a long time. He's decided he likes that. And you know, somebody asked me the other day on one of the morning shows, either on CNN or MSNBC, what his legacy will be. And his legacy is unwritten because he's not just going to go away like other quarterbacks. He's going to be around. And he has said before he doesn't want to yeah. do sports broadcasting. I think he'll have a podcast. He'll do something. If, if he sees Pat McAfee making $30 million a year from FanDuel to do three hours a day, Aaron Rodgers will do three hours a day. I mean, he's only, he's only making $33.5 million right now, and he plays football for crying out loud. He sees where... You can, if you're willing to manipulate people, and that's the other part of me too that makes me think this isn't sincere, that that's not how he really is, yep. that he's being a troll because he sees a path to Joe Rogan's status. He sees a path to the status of the person who speaks to a certain segment of society that will consume every word that he says and will follow him blindly. We got so many of these personalities today that that people who are supposedly independent-minded and free-thinking will follow wherever they take them. It is a sad commentary on where we are as a people that there are these personality cults that have popped up everywhere. It's with Joe Rogan. It's with McAfee to an extent. It's the barstool dynamic. It's Trump, and it's going to be Aaron Rodgers too, I believe, where he's going to have his flock, he's going to have his herd, and they are going to cheer on everything he does, no matter whether or not what he says or does should or shouldn't be cheered, Shereen. Well, and he had the interview with ESPN, I think it was last week, and they started t- talking about books, right? And he had a book behind him, and he, he, he talked about, he had talked about that book, I think with McAfee, and he said, I never read the book. Like, he was just saying stuff to prompt people to come at him. I mean, so that's the kind of thing that you're talking about, Mike, is just this trolling of things that he may or may not truly believe. So, yeah, there's a lot of that, and I'm not going to be surprised at all if he goes on and, and to a political career of some sorts. Maybe he go, run, goes and runs for office. He, I guarantee you whatever he ran for in Wisconsin, he would immediately win that office, even without any experience whatsoever, whether it's governor or senator or whatever, he, he would win. I'm telling you, everything's on the table. Start with a podcast, end up with the 8 o'clock hour on Fox News after Tucker Carlson is done, and off you go. And and he's already skewing that way politically, even though he acts like he's apolitical or whatever. He's already skewing that way, and that's fine. That's fine. We're just trying to project what he's going to do and where he's going to go and what he's going to be. And uh, I, I think it's very entertaining, but he's not going anywhere, and he sees that there's plenty of money to be made by pushing those buttons and pulling those strings. And there's an impish quality to it as well. I think back to training camp when he was out to dinner with a couple of teammates and they decided hey let's have some fun let's mess with people let's make it look like we're trying to push the front office to sign clay matthews and they knew damn well what they were doing they knew damn well what they were doing and what are people supposed to do when they see simultaneously i think it was rogers 
Randall Cobb and David Bakhtiari, who all tweeted something at the Packers about bringing back Clay Matthews. What are people going to say? What? Are, oh, they're, they're just jerking our chain? I mean, people are going to believe it. What, what a shock. You say something and people believe that you mean what you say. So there's, cer- there's a certain amount of it that's immature and childish where he is just he's, he's trying to get a rise out of people. And it's adolescent. And, and look, I, I can't say it's not funny. And I can't say I, I haven't from time to time been tempted to do things like that over the years. But there's a certain point where that's got to end because a lot of people listen to what this guy says. They do, Mike. And, and do you think this is something he pursues this offseason or do you see him continuing his career this year and pushing that further down the road? I, uh, I think he's going to play. Let's put a pin in that one. I think he's going to play this year, yeah. and I don't think he's going to play for the Packers. I'm going, to be writing some, I'm going to be writing something about that tomorrow morning on PFT. May talk about it on PFT Live, but you know today's been a crazy upside-down day, and it's been hard to keep up with everything, but I think he will play next year. I'm not going to report that he will, but I'm going to analyze why I believe that he will. And before we take a break real quickly, I want to mention something about Tom Brady. I've been thinking through whether or not he's going to play or he's going to retire. And I got one thing to say, and I want your thoughts on this, Shireen. I think he's going to retire because of two things. One, he's made it clear. And I'd always believed from things I'd heard from people in New England, he doesn't want to do the Derek Jeter farewell tour. Doesn't want to do it. He said it last night on his Let's Go podcast. Doesn't want to do it. It would be a distraction. Well, you know what? If you come back, what's next year going to be? Whether you like it or not, it's going to be a farewell tour. Because if you say you're coming back for two years, nobody's going to believe it. Second, Second, and this is a, an idea that someone suggested via email. Michael Scott, when he left the office, he had everybody think he was leaving on Friday, and he left on Thursday. And could it be that we've been grifted by Tom Brady all along? I'm going to play Tom 45. I'm going to play through 2022. And he knew all along that he was going to stop short. So there was never that final year and never that farewell tour. So those things make me think, Shireen, he's going to retire. Well, and and that does make some sense, Mike, because he doesn't want that, and I get that. And that's exactly what next year would be because it is the final year of his contract. And the other thing I think that plays into this is I don't know that the Bucks are going to be constructed where they can go win a championship. I don't know that he sees that this is a team he can win with. When you look at Chris Godwin becoming a free agent and having the ACL tear late, he's not going to be available until late next season at the earliest, and that was his favorite receiver. A.B.'s now gone. Lots of questions about the offensive line. The defense didn't play very well and has some free agents on it. So I'm not sure he sees this also as an opportunity to finish on top. I always thought he would walk away on top. I'm not sure now that that's going to be the case. I very well think that this could be the end for him. And perhaps you're right. Perhaps this was his plan all along. And one last thing that I'm sure we'll mention a time or two. We talked about this today, and this is something another reader suggested. There's no way Aaron Rodgers retires this year if Brady retires because Aaron Rodgers does not want to be the second fiddle to Tom Brady on Hall of Fame weekend five years from now, and he would be. Oh, absolutely he would be. Tom Brady would be last in the speaking order, and Aaron Rodgers would probably be first unless it was like Peyton Manning and he asked to do that. But, yeah, he would be totally overshadowed by Tom Brady. It would be one of the greatest classes in, in, it, in Hall of Fame history, but he absolutely would be overshadowed by Tom Brady. Let's take a break. We'll bust open the mailbag plus an Antonio Brown update. He's about to make a huge mistake, I believe. I'll tell you why right after this. 
Charles Robinson tweeted this earlier today, an excerpt of Real Sports with Bryant Gumbel on HBO, talking both to Antonio Brown and to his lawyer, Sean Burston. Bryant Gumbel at one point says, are you suggesting a defamation lawsuit is possible? Burston says defamation comes to mind. The contention is that the Buccaneers had offered Antonio Brown $200,000 to sit out the rest of the season and enroll in mental health treatment basically the Buccaneers are trying to advance the narrative and we heard it from guys like Tom Brady that there's a mental health issue that prompted Antonio Brown's departure from the team I've seen a clip where Brown insists that he was on tour at all at the team's behest and here's what I want to say Shereen and this goes back to Roger Clemens and Rusty Harden years ago when you file a defamation lawsuit and not that Antonio Brown's ever going to listen to me and not that his lawyer is going to care what I have to say. And I already have opinions about how his lawyer has handled Antonio Brown. I don't think his lawyer is serving Antonio Brown well. I think his lawyer is serving himself well because he gets himself and his name into circulation. The worst possible thing Antonio Brown could do would be to sign off on a defamation claim against the Buccaneers. Because when you claim that someone lied about you or painted you in a false light, your damages, your financial compensation comes from this is, this is continuing legal education for anyone out there who's a lawyer. Your damages come from, and anybody who's a lawyer knows this, your pre-existing reputation and your reputation after this lie is told. You have to compare the two. How much was my reputation harmed by the lie that was told about me? Well, if your pre-existing reputation is already slightly above mud, you, you, you weren't harmed in any way. And so what happens is if you sue someone for defamation, you call into question and you make fair game anything and everything they can throw at you, any mud they can throw at you, and we don't have enough time. If we were starting the show with this, we wouldn't have enough time to go through all the ways that Antonio Brown has sullied his good name and reputation over the years. This would be a disaster. It would be a bleep show. And when Antonio Brown testifies under oath, good luck avoiding him committing perjury in some way because we've seen in the past he is a horrible witness. This is a disaster if they do it, Shireen. Well, Mike, do you see this the end of his career if he does this, A, and B, if he doesn't do this, does he get an opportunity? I think even talking about it is going to make it harder to find someone who wants to yeah. sign him. Look, he's been Agreed. on this whole thing about he wants to play for the Ravens. He posted an image today of him in a Ravens uniform. Lamar Jackson tweeted a video where Antonio Brown praises Lamar Jackson and creates the impression he'd like to play there. I don't think the Ravens want him. They didn't want him two years ago. If they didn't want him two years ago, why would they want him now? Well, I think it's going to be over. It's going to be done for him. His best play is keep his head low, his mouth shut, and get his ankle yeah. healed. And he hasn't gotten surgery yet. He hasn't kept his mouth shut. He hasn't kept his head low. It's not working for Antonio Brown to get back into the NFL next year. No, and he needs to do all those things to even have a chance, Mike, for that. That's it for today. It flew by. Plenty of news in the NFL. We'll keep you updated around the clock at profootballtalk.com. See you tomorrow morning. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.